Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles over to Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 26th through the 28th verse. I want to share something that God put in my heart. And I, I believe it will help us because that's what God does. He helps. Amen? <laughs> but Romans, the 8th chapter, the 26th through the 28th verse, Paul the Apostle is the writer of this particular epistle to the church at Rome. And... Um, he begins to talk to them. And look what he says in verse 26 and verse 28. Likewise, the Spirit Himself helps our infirmities. One translation said helps our weaknesses. Because sometimes we have weaknesses in our, in our faith. That, that, now, not everybody's strong in faith 24-7, but God's getting us there. Amen? So we're believing God to get us all to that place where we can have that constant faith in God. And once we get that constant faith in God, nothing is going to detour us away from what God wants us to have. But look what he said. He helps our weaknesses or our infirmities. That word infirmities there, it's not necessarily, uh, I know a lot of times we think of the word infirmity as sickness, and he that does, is one of the definitions but in this particular case, he's talking about our weaknesses or our inabilities. How many has ever felt like you're, you were unable to uh, contact God like you thought you should? You ever felt that inability in your spirit and in your mind and in your heart that you just feel inadequate? You don't feel like you've got what it takes to get the answer, to get the, the victory that you need? Because look what he said in the next, in the next sentence here. He said, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, how many ever been there before? Sometimes there's needs, and you just don't know how to pray. You just don't know how to pray for that particular need because uh, you just don't have the answer. Sometimes we like to know we have the answer. But he said, when we don't know how to pray as we ought. But he said, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I, want, I want to read that again. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. God, the Holy Ghost, knows what the Father wants. The Holy Ghost and the Father and the Son are in unity, in perfect unity, and He knows what the Father wants and what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The will of God. Now, I believe every one of us here, we want to say we want the will of God. I want God's will. I want God's will in my life. I want God's will in this church. I want God's will in this community. I want God's will in everything that we do. The will of God is important. And uh, uh, I know a lot of people have not ever come to that place where they um, have understood fully what the will of God is, and they don't understand you know, what God is wanting to do or what God is trying to say. But the will of God is important. Now look what the next verse says. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
I want to read that one more time. We know that all things work together for good. Everybody say for good. See, what God does is always for good. What God does is always the best. How many remember that old TV series, Father Knows Best? <laughs> you know, my daddy was one of those. He liked to put that and steal that thought into the kids' minds. Daddy knows what's right. <laughs> and Daddy always knew best. But Father does know best. And God is our Heavenly Father, and He knows what's best for us. He knows what we need. He knows what you need before you ever pray for it. He knows what's, what your desires are before you ever express them. He, he knows exactly what you're going through before anybody else knows what you're going through. Because He's God, and He knows all things. But He said, We know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. We are the called according to the purpose of God. Hallelujah. Now, God has always had the intent of manifesting His power on behalf of His saints. It's God's will that His power be manifested in our family, in our lives, in our situations. The power, listen, the power of God is powerful. We, we went to the Oklahoma Memorial, Oklahoma City Memorial, uh, on July the 4th and went up there. Pat had been wanting to see it. And very, very sobering time to see the destruction that these two men did. And uh, four, I, I think it was 4,000 pounds, would be equivalent to 4,000 pounds of TNT when it took that building down and destroyed lives. And uh, that's power. That's power. But there's nothing that matches the power of God. God's power is Matchless. I mean, God's power is real. And God's always had the intent of manifesting His power on our behalf. We preached the other night about Moses coming up to the Red Sea with the children of Israel. How many knows that was the power of God manifested? The power of God was manifested when the sea parted and the Lord caused the east wind to blow all that night. That's the power of God. God's power. It was God's power when... Uh, uh, he he done miraculous things. He rained down uh, uh, manna from heaven. Uh, you know, that, that's a miracle. That's the power of God. And uh, Elijah manifested the power of God as a prophet of the Lord. And many other people, Peter, James, and John, all of the power of God was manifested. Peter, the power of God was manifested through him one day as he was just walking down the street, and his shadow fell on people, and they were healed, and miracles took place. Because of the power of God. It wasn't because of Peter. It was because of the power of God. And he was allowing the power of God to manifest. So the power of God is important. Amen? Now, prayer is our means of communicating with the Father. Prayer is the way we talk to God. Prayer is our communication. And what we've got to do is understand that as we communicate to God, we talk to God with our prayers that God hears. And God understands and knows what's going on. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many glad you can pray? How many glad you can talk to God? We have a right to talk to the Lord. We have a right to pray. We have that right. It's a privilege, not just a right. It's a privilege to pray. And we've got that right. And it's, it's not only our communication with the Father, but our means. Prayer is also a means of combating the devil. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Intercessory prayer, when we do intercessory prayer, we're praying against the powers of darkness that are involved in people's lives, and we're interceding on their behalf, and our prayers are going up on behalf of that person. We're actually invading the devil's territory. Remember when Daniel prayed, and uh, he had to pray, and, and was it like 21 days, and, and uh, nothing happened, and finally Michael the archangel showed up and said, Daniel, God heard you the first time you prayed. Isn't that good news? How many of you ever prayed you think God didn't hear you? And you just kept on and on and on. Then you get in a begging mode with God. He don't want you to do that. He just wants you to continue to pray and realize what you're doing. And what Daniel was doing, he was praying. But Michael the archangel came and said, Daniel, God heard you the first time, but the prince of Persia hindered the prayers. The prince of Persia was not a human being. The prince of Persia was a demonic power that was assigned to that region that dominated that region. And listen, we, we, we need to understand there's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places today. And uh, there, there are spirits that dominate particular areas. I went into a, a town up in Pennsylvania several years ago and they put me up at a hotel, and I was downstairs in the uh, restaurant getting something to eat before the service. And uh, I, I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. It was almost like an audible voice. He said, there is a demon spirit of adultery that's operating in this region. I said, oh, Lord Jesus. I didn't know I was going to run into it in the church. <laughs> but God spoke that to my spirit. I had come with a whole different set of series that I was going to teach and preach on. And God said, put that aside. I want you to combat the enemy that's in this place. I went to church that night and I prayed. I tell you, I said, Lord Jesus, what am I going to do? How do I do this? I mean, it's the first time I've met these people. <laughs> I, I said, what am I supposed to do? How, how do I do this? And I just got to praying in the Holy Ghost. I, you know, when you don't know how to, what to pray, you just pray in the Holy Ghost. Because He's going to pray through you according to the will of God for you. Amen? And I just prayed. Then when God put, when I got up there to the podium in the pulpit, I said, I mean, I'm sitting there. I, I I didn't have nothing with me because God wouldn't let me preach what I thought I was going to preach. God told me to address this situation. And so I just got some scriptures. God just dropped it in my heart just immediately, and I began to open up the scriptures. And I mean, I just addressed it. And I mean, I just, I mean, I was bold. And I spoke with authority. God gave me the authority. And I spoke with that authority. And I began to just minister to the whole congregation. And lo and behold, 
the associate pastor came weeping at the altar. And then the pastor was down there weeping with him. And then other church leaders were weeping with him. And before long, we had we didn't have enough altar space for everybody. It's kind of like the person you know that had the spirit of gossip. And she'd come up wanting prayer, and the preacher said, the altar's not long enough to lay this tongue down upon it tonight. <laughs> There wasn't enough, there wasn't, there wasn't enough altars that night. Listen, when the devil is on the rampage, that doesn't mean that God's not concerned about the people. Some of them are in bondage. Some of them have submitted to the enemy and they've submitted to that spirit. But listen, I believe a lot of their hearts are not to do that. But the thing is, they got involved in it, and God was addressing the issue, and we had to address it in the Holy Ghost. And did you know what happened? There was a repentant revival. I mean, there was a revival of repentance. I mean, total repentance. Total repentance. God moved. I mean, people were delivered. People were asking for forgiveness. Husbands and wives asking forgiveness of other people in the church. I mean, it was a revival of repentance. But we have to obey the Holy Ghost. I went back up there the next year. They had an outdoor tent meeting, and I went back up there the next year for two weeks, and we had two-week revival, and it was a whole lot different. <laughs> I said, I was getting ready for Lord. What's now? What's next? <laughs> But we didn't. We just had a good revival, and people came in, got delivered, set free, and filled with the Holy Ghost, saved, and uh, God just began to move. But we're the called according to His purpose. Every one of us are called according to the purpose of God. Prayer is not only our communication with the Father, but also combating the devil. Like I said, it's, it's coming against the powers of darkness as we begin to understand that. And I want to preface it with this. Prayers are meant to be answered. Hallelujah. Why would Jesus say so often, Ask what you will and it shall be done. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And you begin to read all throughout the Scripture what prayer does. And it's a positive thing because prayer is meant to be answered. Too often we go through a ritual, a ritual of prayer. How many's ever went through a ritual? I mean, you know, we, we criticize sometimes these um, secular, I call them secular churches because a lot of them don't have the gospel of the cross in it whatsoever. But, but we criticize, uh, they do their catechisms, you know, all of these things, you know, and, and different things in their, in their way of, of getting a hold of God. But there's no power behind it. There's no power behind it. The, the, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith is what's going to save the sick. It, it's going to be the prayer of faith that's going to see God move in a situation. And once we begin to understand that prayers are meant to be answered, hallelujah, I, that makes me excited because that means when I pray, I'm not just beating my gums together, you know, but I am talking to God, and God is hearing what I say. Isn't it amazing? 
Have you ever been in a loud restaurant where there's hundreds of people there and everybody's talking at one time? And you you wonder, I mean, you can't even hardly hear the person next to you as you're eating lunch with or dinner with. And, and uh, I mean, it's just so much commotion going on, everybody talking at once. And, uh, and I, I got to thinking about that one night, and I said, you know, Lord, this must be what you look down upon in this earth. <laughs> everybody talking at once. You got people in China, people in Russia, people in Africa, people in the United States, people in Mexico, Australia. I mean, all over the world. They're all talking at once. But somehow or other, God can de- decipher all of every prayer individually, and God answers prayer. Hallelujah. I can't explain it, but it's true. Amen? Now, Jesus is our example of praying in faith. Now, when Jesus came to earth, Actually, he's God incarnate in the flesh, is what the Bible says. Emmanuel, God with us. Um, he was the second Adam. You know, God created the first Adam, and Adam and Eve sinned, and God had to create a second Adam, which was Jesus, to become the supreme sacrifice and be able to redeem the human race again. Hallelujah. Not only the human race, he's going to redeem this earth. In the end, the earth will be redeemed. But the thing is, Jesus had perfect faith as the man, Christ Jesus. He had perfect faith. He was the Son of God, but He also was limited in the sense as we are as men and women. But He had perfect faith. Perfect faith. He prayed to the Father. He prayed to the Father when he was getting ready to be crucified. He said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. This cup of suffering that he was getting ready to do, if it be possible. So he he knew what it was to suffer, but but he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So he knew to pray for the will of the Father, the will of God the Father. And he prayed for that, and God did that. So listen, I don't think we're any better than Jesus, amen? (laughs) But he's made us equal heirs. We're heirs and joint heirs with him. So he's brought us to this plateau to where we're recognized, not just a poor old sinner saved by grace. I get so tired of hearing that slang word, you know. Uh, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. Bless, Bless us, you know. I mean, people testify, the devil's been after me all day long, bless his holy name, you know. And, and uh, they, they just, uh, uh, I mean, it's, they don't realize who they are. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. God has become our Father. We can pray just like Jesus did. Our Father. In fact, Jesus taught the disciples to pray this way. Pray on this manner. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He taught us how to pray. Because he became what we are. So that we could become what he is. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I get excited when I start thinking about that. We're somebody. We're somebody. You're important. 
to the kingdom of God. Every one of us are important to the kingdom of God. Nobody is on a higher plateau than anybody else. We all have the same level playing field because God is our Father, and He loves us all the same. Hallelujah. And He is going to do what we ask Him to do in faith. And Jesus was that example. He had perfect faith. The Bible said He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. (laughs) In fact, Jesus said to the disciples, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. You know what we should be able to do? If you've seen me, you've seen God. Hallelujah. We should talk like God, act like God. Now don't shout me down. His body was the habitation for the Father and the Holy Spirit. They inhabited His body. The earthly body. The Holy Ghost came on him too. Remember when he was at the River Jordan, uh, at the river there, and uh, John the Baptist baptized him, and and he come up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. He received the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said the heavens, the heavens, didn't say heaven was open, the heavens were opened. Why did that say the heavens were opened? Because over in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, Paul said, We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. That same place where the prince of Persia was, in the high places. And Jesus, when he come up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, it was not. The Holy Ghost is a spirit too, you know. But it came in the form of a dove and lit upon him, and the heavens were opened, and It doesn't say this literally, but Jesus saw every demon force he was going to encounter in his three and a half years of ministry upon this earth. He saw every demon force that he was going to face when he was crucified. And he took that last breath on the cross. He gave his life. They didn't take it. But he saw every demon power that was going to be toppled. And for the three and a half years, he went around healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, making them whole. He didn't just he didn't just heal them; he cleansed them and made them whole. Remember the ten lepers that came to him, and they went away. They were so excited; they were just going, and uh, and uh, they were going to go show the priest because they had to have the priest to declare that they were clean and could come back out in the public. And that was just the Jewish law. And one of them, he looked down and saw that he was cleansed. He came back and he said, Master, I just want to thank you for what you've done. And Jesus said, not only are you cleansed, you're made whole. Leprosy ate away limbs, fingers, toes, hands. Their face was disfigured because of the leprosy. But a lot of them were cleansed. And they had to be declared cleansed by the priest. But Jesus, when he saw his faith and saw him coming back with a thankful attitude and a thankful heart, he said, you're not only cleansed, you're made whole. I don't, I, I don't know, but I don't think it took no a month or two months or a year. I think immediately that man began to see hands and fingers and, and toes and, 
and the holes fill in on his face and all of that where the leprosy had eaten away. He was made whole, not just cleansed, he was made whole. Jesus went about doing good, healing all. Did y'all get that? Healing all that were sick. <laughs> healing all that were sick, all that were oppressed of the devil. He healed all of them because that was what he came for. The Lord wants us to have the same kind of faith that he displayed while on the earth. That's what he's trying to tell the disciples. I'm not going to be with you forever. (laughs) But I'm going to send another comforter. He's the Holy Ghost. He'll walk here in in the Holy Ghost. uh, The Holy Spirit means paracletes, one that walks along beside you to help you, to aid you, and and to comfort you, and to instruct you, and, and lead you. That's what the Holy Ghost does. And Jesus said he's going to come, and whatever you ask, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. Hallelujah. Does that excite you tonight? I don't know about you, but when I read these scriptures, and I've read them for all these 53 years of preaching that I've done, but you know what? I keep get, I still get as excited as I did the first time when God showed that to me. Because it's still the truth. And he wants us to have that same kind of faith. The Bible said in Hebrews 12, 1, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Therefore, he said in, in the scripture, there, therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Now, how many knows that we have some power over sin? Amen. Some people say, well, I, I can't help it. <laughs> no, if you're a believer, you've got power over that. Because when Jesus shed his blood and took that blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in the heavens, I want to tell you something. There was liberating power by the blood of Jesus. There's power, wonder-working power in the blood. And we're free. Now, listen, I, I, I'm not going to dismiss the fact you know, that there are some people that still struggle. But listen, most of the struggles come because the devil plays with our mind in our thought realm. He makes you think like a man and a woman rather than a saint of God and a child of God and an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. He makes us think like we're lowly nothings, but we are royalty in the family of God. And God's given us that power tonight to be able to have that same kind of faith. And he said, let's lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand, at the right hand of the throne of God. It's his faith in us. Remember when Jesus or when Peter received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, after the day of Pentecost, and they went up to the temple to pray, and there was a lame man sitting there, been lame from his mother's uh, from birth, and he, he hadn't walked in all those years. And he was wanting alms. He said, 
you know, shaking his little cup or whatever it was. And Peter just looks at that silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And immediately strength came into his ankle bones. He got up and he began to shout and to walk and to leap and praise God and walk with Peter and John all over the place. And people were amazed. And the religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees and the, and, and the, and the carnal preachers, <laughs> they were upset. They said, how can you do this? And Peter said, you think it's just the name of Jesus that we did it in. Because that's what they were saying, you did it in the name of Jesus. He said, it's not just the name of Jesus, but it's our faith in that name. There's a difference. You can get up here and say in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you don't have faith in that name, you're not going to see the results. You've got to be able to pray in faith. It took me a long time. No, I say a long time, but uh, thank God for great teachers and preachers and ministers of the Word that God put in my life and in my pathway to mentor me and to help me. And I saw miraculous things. And I saw them walk the walk of faith. My dad was the first one, and he walked the walk of faith. I saw things happen. And I saw others. Um, uh, Gordon Lindsay, he had miracle after miracle after miracle. And uh, W.B. Grant had miracle after miracle after miracle. These are old timers. I mean, some people probably remember some of them, but uh, uh, some of the young folks don't know who they are, you know. But uh, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> we've got some other young ones coming up that's going to do some great exploits for God too. Amen? But the thing is, we saw. It, it's, faith in, it's faith in that name of Jesus, not just using that name. Seven sons of Sceva tried that. They found a demon-possessed man. They said, let's just show what we can do. They said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches about, come out. And you know what the devil said? He said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And he got up and whipped them all, all seven of them, sent them home wounded and scathing and crying and shamed. Because they didn't, see, they heard about the name, but they didn't have faith in that name. There's a difference. It's his faith in us. And another thing, he wants us to have perfect faith. He wants us to have doubt-free faith. Doubt-free faith. What did Jesus teach him when he was out there and the little fig tree withered as he spoke to it and he said, be dried up from the roots and it was dried up from the roots and Jesus used that as an object lesson and he told the disciples, he said, this is, what, this is what I want you to learn from this. That if you speak to this mountain and say, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Is that scripture? That's in the Bible, isn't it? That's the word. Now, listen, you, there again, you're going to have to have faith in that name. This one little lady, she had a, a big tree that blocked her view in her bedroom, you know, on, on one of the windows. And so she, she spoke that thing. She spoke to it one night. She had heard somebody preach on it. She said, I, I command you to be plucked up and go in Jesus' name. Went to bed that night and got up the next morning, went over to the window. And she said, just like I thought, it's still there. 
That's doubt. See, doubt is to be divided between two opinions. That's what the word diakrino means in the Greek, to be divided between two opinions. Uh, I don't want to doubt. I want to be focused on the Word. Don't try to persuade me to believe anything else but the Word. The Word. The Word of God. I don't want denominational creeds. I want the Word. Amen? There's nothing wrong with denominations, but I'm just saying I, I want the Word. The Word. The Word of the Lord. And He wants us to have faith, doubt, free faith. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost in John 16, which He did. We talked about that a while ago. And Paul was full of the Holy Ghost. Paul said, one time I speak in tongues more than y'all. <laughs> he didn't go around just boasting on it, but he was just letting them know, hey, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And we need to know that we're full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is teacher, helper, comforter, and the power. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Now, go back over to Romans, the 8th chapter, as we look at this for just a moment. He makes intercession in verse 26 through 28. For when we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, or we don't know what kind of words to offer in our prayer. Have you ever been there? Situations in my own personal life as as we were growing in the things of God and doing what God said, there was things that came up. Uh, that we needed miracles, we needed, we needed, and I didn't know how it was going to happen. But he said, when you don't know how to pray, as you ought, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Ghost in you, the Holy Spirit of God, will pray through you. Now listen, there's praying in tongues. And then there's praying in tongues. Amen? There's praying in the Holy Ghost. But then there's... I don't know. I, I want to encourage people to shift gears a little bit. And let's get into the spirit mode. The Holy Spirit mode. There comes a time where you have to do warfare in the Spirit. You have to pray in the Holy Ghost. You don't know what to pray for. You don't know how to pray for it in your own self. But as you pray in the Holy Ghost, sometimes you'll start travailing. You may have a special need in your own life. I'll never forget here, oh goodness, it's been a long time ago now probably 30 years ago or so. But we, we were in a situation where we needed a miracle financially. We needed a financial miracle to take care of our obligations that were there. And God never had failed us. He never does fail us. But this was on a holiday. This was on, um, I believe it was New Year's Day. We had moved into Spring, Texas, from where we were in uh, Conroe. And we were in Spring, Texas, and we had closed out our post office box in Conroe and got one in 
in spring, a new one. And But we had just done that on a Friday before the holiday hit that Saturday and Sunday and Monday. And I tell you what, I did, Friday, I, I, I just, it was on Thursday, it was Thursday, it was on a Thursday. I just got in the spirit. My wife had went off somewhere taking care of some stuff that she needed to get done, and, and I just prayed. I, and I have, listen, I, I have prayed, and then I have prayed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I have prayed in the Spirit, and then I have really prayed in the Spirit. And I got into a warring tongue. I, I, if I could explain this, I, I believe there's different modes that you get into, and this was a warfare in the spirit realm because the devil was trying to attack in our financial realm. And listen, I believe it's in the heavenlies that all this has taken place. And I began to groan, and I travailed in the spirit. And I got then then a a tongue came forth out of me that I had never ever ever spoken in as far as you know, you know how you recognize as you're praying in the spirit and it had come out and I mean it was a warring tongue it was it was like I was warring with my tongue you know and speaking boldly and it was a tongue that I had never spoken in. It was the Holy Spirit. Peace hit me after I prayed. I said, thank you, Jesus. My wife came home. She said, well, I said, it's going to be all right. She said, I believe you. That's okay. Praise God. <laughs> and so we, we, I got a phone call on Saturday. Now, Saturday wasn't the holiday, but it was, the, the holiday was actually on Thursday or Friday, I can't remember, but Saturday was not a holiday. But I had already closed out my post office box. How many understand what I, I mean, usually they do that just like that. And I went down to the post office Monday morning. Well, I got a call first from a, a car dealership, uh, a car dealer in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, he had come to a lot of my meetings and heard us on radio down there. And we he came and... Anyway, he, he said, Brother Clarence, he named somebody else. He said, we was at a, 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 a church meeting the other night, a revival meeting. And he said, we went together, this my friend and I. And he said, we were just sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, the Lord just brought you to us. And we said, we got to do something for that man. And both of them gave $1,000 and put it in a check in an envelope and mailed it to me. $2,000. And I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, I don't know if you've got it yet or not. Well, I didn't want to tell him. I closed out my box. That he'd probably get it back. <laughs> but anyway, I went down there that Saturday morning, and I opened up my box. And, and it, usually they put that lock deal on it, you know, immediately. I was going to turn my key in on that Monday or something. And that, anyway, they usually do that immediately. And it opened. And there was one envelope in there from Lafayette, Louisiana. And I opened it up, and there was that check. I said, hallelujah. God's good. But you know what? I, I asked him, I said, when did this happen to you? 
when God spoke to you. And they were in a meeting that had afternoon sessions and stuff. You know, they had different service times. And they said, well, it was about a certain time on uh, uh, on this day. And I, I said, okay, that's all I needed. Because that was the time I was in my warring spirit. And we... And the Lord just went ahead and we bypassed. Those devils that was trying to hinder everything else, they were just wiped out. Hallelujah. And these two men were in tune with the Holy Ghost and they heard from God and God did it. Now, I couldn't expect that to happen every time I got in a crisis. How many understand what I'm saying? You can't look to individuals. You can't look to people. But you, we can pray in the Holy Ghost. And we can pray in the Spirit and God does what He said He'll do. But there's a warring spirit. There's travail. How many knows that there's travailing in the spirit? I was, first church I pastored, I was preaching on prayer to the women. We had a lot of people coming out of Baptists and Methodists, and they were filled with the Spirit and filled with the Holy Ghost. But they had never really prayed in the Holy Ghost. How many understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, they were they were coming, and they was having their little prayer meetings up there, and and uh, they'd get in a little circle, and most of the time they'd just sit there and talk about the need. And it turned into a gossip session is what it turned into rather than a prayer meeting. And uh, I, I finally went out there, and I said, look, ladies, I said, what I'm going to do, they're doing it two mornings a week. I said, I'm going to come out here for two mornings a week for two weeks. I'm going to teach on prayer. They said, okay. So I did. I preached on prayer. I preached on travailing in the Spirit. I preached on warring, the warring tongue, you know, praying in the Holy Ghost. I preached on uh, intercession, and I preached on uh, supplication and asking God. You know, I, I just preached on what prayer is. And so I did that for two weeks, and then I was in my office, and they come running in there one morning, knocking on the door. They said, Brother Clarence, oh, Sister So-and-So, she's dying up here. I said, what? I rushed out there. And I went out there, and I could hear the groaning and the moaning. And I said, oh, no, no, no. She's not dying. I said, no, no, no. She's as alive as ever. I said, she, she's in the Spirit, and she's travailing in the Spirit. And I said, the Bible said when Zion travails, she brought forth children. And you know what happened? Not only did that lady travail that day, but a lot of the other ladies said, we're going to get into that mode of prayer too. And I mean, they got into praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And when they prayed in the Holy Ghost, guess what? God intervened. God intervened. Church, we begin to see new births. Listen, when Zion travails, she brings forth children. There's a lot of people out in this area that need to be saved. There's a lot of people in this area that need to come back to God. There's a lot of people in this area that's backslid. Amen? I mean, we might as well be honest. It's the truth. They've let things come between them and the Lord. But as we travail in the Holy Ghost, we can see results. And God can move. And God will move if we'll allow Him to. Travailing in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit. Praise God. You don't know what you're praying for. But you know what? God knows what you're praying for because the Holy Ghost is praying the will of God. The will of God. And He's praying according to the will. We had a man come in our service one night and 
his son had been arrested for armed robbery for the fifth or sixth time. <laughs> and uh, and he had served his time, served time. He got out and robbed another store and served time. Anyway, this time they were talking about 15 years in prison. And he come. He was just. He was. A, he was the father. He was just sobbing. He said, "Brother Clarence, I, I, I can't. I can't stand it. He's my son." I said, "Well, I, I can't tell you." I said, "I can't tell you that what God's going to do." I said, "But we can pray in the Holy Ghost, and as we pray in the Holy Ghost, we're praying according to the will of God, and God's will will be done." And we prayed in the Spirit. But he just sobbed and wept and prayed in the Holy Ghost. I prayed in the Holy Ghost. The other people were praying in the Holy Ghost. He went on about his way. That was on a Sunday. Monday morning, he came back that afternoon. He was so brokenhearted. He said, Brother Clarence, he said, I felt so good in my spirit Sunday night. He said, but they sentenced him to 15 years in the Huntsville prison. I said, hang on to the promise of God. Because when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying according to the will of God. Now, I can't explain. I said, I can't really say God set him free. He did the crime. He's got to do the time. I said, but God knows what he's doing. And you know what happened? He got in prison. And at that particular time, the full gospel businessmen were having a revival in that prison. I mean, God was moving. People, those inmates were getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, hardened criminals were getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And this young man happened to be right next, his cell was right next to one of these other guys that had been caught and had served their, you know, serving his time. But he also was one that heard the gospel and he received the Lord as his Savior. And... <laughs> and so he got friends with this man, and he took him to the Bible studies and the things that were happening that they were putting on there for the for the prisoners. And this young man got saved and born again, not only born again, but filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know what? His time was reduced. But when his dad came back and he heard what had happened in the prison, he said, Now I know what you were talking about, Brother Clarence. We pray according to the will of God in the Spirit. And he said God put him right where he needed to be to hear the gospel and be saved and born again. Hallelujah. Listen, we can pray doubt-free. See, when you look at the circumstance, it, all, the, all the things are against you. But when you pray in the Spirit, you bypass all that. Praying in the Holy Ghost bypasses this mind. It bypasses right here. And you're going straight to heaven, and you're going straight to the Lord in the presence of God with your prayers. Hallelujah. And God does what He says He'll do. Pray doubt-free. Hallelujah. Then, then you know what happens when you pray that way? You pray doubt-free, and you know that you're praying according to the will of God, and God's will will be accomplished. God will do it. His way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. We've seen so many miracles. We've saw so many things that's happened. And uh, we, we, I thank God for what prayer does. we got a prayer room back here, too. My wife got it all fixed up. we got prayer requests out there.
And if you get here early enough, you spend time, you can go back to this room, right back through this little hallway here, and it's fixed up really nice. Spend some time in prayer. I, Sister Claudia says, you remember when we used to have prayer prayer rooms and people would get in those prayer rooms? I said, yeah, those prayer rooms, they'd have church before they had church. I mean, I've seen some of those people in those prayer rooms, they'd have church before they even come out and had church. I mean, they come out shouting and it just spread over everybody else, you know. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord moved. But listen, prayer works. But God's wanting us to get to a point where we can pray in the Spirit and pray according to the will of God, letting the Holy Ghost pray the will of God. Hallelujah. And as we see the will of God accomplished, we're going to see the blessings of God flow. Can you say amen? Amen. Lift your hands and just thank the Lord tonight for the word. Father, we thank you. We just praise you.